Hey guys, a quick note, I had some serious microphone technical issues while we were recording a couple of the segments for this episode, so I'm really sorry in advance if you hear some clicking or tapping or if my voice is a little mushy or soft at times. Listening back, it still seemed like it was listenable and I did what I could to clean up the audio, but I do apologize that it's not up to our usual quality. We have resolved the issues, so hopefully by next time we'll be back to snuff and for now i hope you can still enjoy this episode thanks for understanding guys you're listening to pod on the suit your steve and tony fandom podcast i'm ferret and i'm flame thanks so much for joining us hi flame hi ferret hi fandom welcome to episode four everybody a huge thank you to Wolfie, our cover artist for this week. Make sure you check out the rest of their work because it is mwah. Today we have a yummy and a bit naughty topic for you, sex work. The delightful Robin TCJ joins us for a let's talk about sex work AUs, what the appeal is, what kinds there are, what we love and what we don't love about them. After that, Fair and I read Place Your Bets by Ruru Nihime that takes the sex worker AU and it turns it a little bit on its head. We finish up with a Professor Flame lecture on the history of sex work and perspectives surrounding it, then your trope-off update, and a grammar mustelid segment on verb forms, tenses, and conjugate. It's a huge episode per use, so let's get started. We have asked the incredible friend of the pod and friend of Flareit, Robin TCJ, to chat with us today about thoughts, horny and otherwise, <laughs> mostly horny. on sex worker AUs and kind of the, I guess, why they work. I mean, we all, they, they make us horny, obviously, duh. But like, there are lots of different kinds of them. There are lots of different ways to engage with them. And all three of us have, you know, a little bit of experience. I think we've all written one or two. Um, we've probably read a lot more. So we have a lot of thoughts. We don't have a lot of like how to's. This is not a creator corner. This <laughs> is a let's all be horny on main together. So <laughs> this is, this is de- as we said at the top of the show, this is a not safe for grandma episode. Um, so headphones if necessary. Yeah, please, please make sure that all, um, all ears that don't want to hear about Steve, the truck, the truck stop hooker are somewhere, oh. are somewhere else. So <laughs> can we link the photo shoot in the show notes? Because everyone needs to see it. Yes, please do. <laughs> yeah. The, like the behind the scenes details magazine one. Where he's like yeah. on his knees on the carpet with his pants, like open like, <sighs> shirtless. Come on. Fucking yeah. hat, that fucking hat. I'm just like the fucking hat. He, it's so yeah. slutty. gloriously slutty and i feel like like that one i feel like that gets us to like the core of what at least i think is super appealing about any kind of like sex worker thing is that like it's got the same kind of vibe as friends with benefits and that it's like it's about the sex and the feelings Mm -hmm. come as a product of the sex so you get to have like the pure lust and sexiness of it and then also the developing romantic storyline instead of just the dub. I'm, I'm doing a lot of hand gestures, BT dub, just the <laughs> developing storyline. And then 
the like one lovely sex scene at the end, which is also great. But I think that that's one of the appeals. It's really nice how it reverses the, the sort of the way that the story traditional chronology right yeah 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 yeah. thank you for that (laughs) like (laughs) I know a word but I don't know this word um you you know you get into that like and it's dirty it tends to be dirty right it's lusty yeah it's just like we're here for the sex like if you're paying for it it's just like there's no there's no like emotional negotiation there's no like questioning or misunderstanding it's like i'm gonna give you 300 bucks and you're gonna blow me yeah yeah there's no uh like self-confidence like oh am i sexy enough or does does he like it when i do this that kind of thing because you're paying for it and he's gonna like it or you're the sex worker and uh he knows he's good at it because it's his job and you know except that one time i wrote a virgin hooker steve (laughs) for saber but we don't have to talk about that no that's an an outlier we like that too though (laughs) we like all the outliers but yeah like and then and then it progresses into true love we like that yeah and this is but like the like the kind of the wham bam thank you ma'am of it all is why i don't understand that there aren't more things like glory hole fix like it's the easiest thing in the world. They don't even make fucking eye contact. Like just, just write a story where someone shoves his dick through a hole. Why have more people not done this? Like, I, oh, I'm so frustrated in the lack of really good glory hole fix. I believe I've ranted about this in other contexts. I don't know if I've ranted about it on the pod, but this is like the most straightforward sex worker fic to me. I don't understand why there aren't more. But also I will, so that's, I will step off the, the glory hole soapbox for a moment. Oh, wow. Um, that's a mental imagery right there. <laughs> you are welcome. You are welcome. I have already worked 60 hours this week and it's Tuesday. So right into your ear holes, folks. You're all welcome. Uh, you should also know that um, for, for people who aren't on the Steve, Tony, Bucky, uh, enthusiast server with us robin is a potter and is incredible oh thanks so (laughs) when i was watching blown away on netflix i made sure to text her all of the dirty pottery jokes about glory because yes yeah many (laughs) it's true so i think we actually talked about this on the pod before yeah the glory hole in the in the glass blowing thing is amazing i'm a fan we are blessed (laughs) but I also the other thing with sex worker AUs the other dynamic that I really particularly love is the idea of somebody going like being nervous about going to the sex worker so like if Tony is the worker and Steve is the is the awkward one I love the way that we see their personalities in how the the sex worker will comfort the other character yeah like normal like all of this other baggage that you're told about sex that it is shameful that it is weird that like what you want is wrong all of that is society's baggage and in this room right now that's bullshit and we're just going to make you feel good literally my whole job tonight is to make you feel good and there's I have a lot of thoughts on the profession of sex work from a professional sociological perspective that we'll get to later in the episode but there's a real beauty of it to me about the that kind of freedom that can come with it. Like someone yeah. whose job it is just to make you feel good. And th- there is 
as we explore and fix, especially I, and you can never ask me to link this because you <laughs> all know my brain, but I once read a Stucky fic where it was pre-serum Steve and sex worker Bucky. And Bucky's entire point in that, in that scene, I mean, in that fic was to just teach Steve that his body was a good body. Well, I like and that. that was it. Yeah. And like, I, I loved that. I love that dynamic in it. I mean, I love the just like, blow me, here's $300, blow me. Like, all of that's great. But truly at the core of it, what I love is the centering of pleasure being normal and being, and being good and wanted in a way that without this dynamic of a professional sometimes gets a little bit more emotionally messy. Yeah, it's definitely like, um, I mean, I like a lot of fix where one of the points is that one character is helping another character like work through their hang up, whatever their hang up is. Mm-hmm. And there's something, yeah, very like pure and direct about about using a sex worker AU to target what the like paying characters hang ups about like sex or pleasure or their body or or even about just like forming connections with people like I've seen stories where Tony's the one hiring sex workers because he likes sex but he's terrified to form like um relationships with like romantic relationships with people because of his like his lifestyle and the expectations on him and all of that Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. so like if you pay for it it's just like we can have that moment of connection and like again flame's going to talk about real life sex work in a bit but um uh every story i've heard from sex workers all say that um what people really are looking for is some form of connection and like a lot of the time it's just about having some company or having another human being touch your life even Mm -hmm. if only for a little bit not just touch your dick and um (laughs) i think that like having that as like a as a progression is just like it's like cathartic and also like just like deliciously emotionally complicated and like you know it's gonna it's it's one of those ones that gives you that like oh I know this is gonna work out but like it can be so messy before it yeah. does <laughs> yeah and that's always good yeah you you want it to get messy because that's why we read stuff right like mm-hmm. we fluff has its place but and I love fluff don't get me wrong but sometimes you just want stuff to be awkward and painful and then great <laughs> and I find you know with the sex workers because there's, there's, it's not so much a, a level of misunderstanding. It's an assumption that neither of them can have feelings, right? So then you get that yeah. mutual pining and that angst and, well, it's just a job for him. And well, he's just paying me. He doesn't actually like me. And I really, I, I love that. Yeah, it's like the perfect yeah. opening for mutual pining. Like there's absolutely yeah. no reason why they would think that the other person would want more than that. So like exactly. nobody's going to blame them for being like, this isn't a relationship. Yeah, It yeah. isn't, you're getting paid. Like, you know, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I, I'm a fan. I'm a fan and all then, around. <laughs> and adjacent to that is like the sugar daddy fix, which is like, mm. a, which is may or may not involve sex work. Um it you know may or, it may or may not but again it's the like that just to chase that rabbit trail for a minute the idea that well it doesn't even matter if I'm using my words or not like I write so many fics where if they would have just talked I wouldn't have had a fic <laughs> but, um, 
Which my favorite comments on anything, by the way, are like on chapter two or three of a 20 thing. And they're like, why can't they use their words? And then they'll hit enter twice and be like, because I wouldn't have 18 chapters left. I know what you're going to say, Flame, but I just want you to know. I just want the big words. And I'm like, listen. Your frustration and you like it. That's what you're here for. I was like, if you, if you want me to do a bullet point version of my fix, I'll share my notes with y'all. <laughs> words let me tell you the bullet points are a lot faster for me yeah <laughs> you can get that emotional resolution in two pages guys yeah yeah two pages i will just that's what i'm gonna start that's what i'm gonna start doing from here on out everybody gets bullet points and you get to do the, cliff, the cliff notes there's like the last the first the like you can skip to the chapter that's the cliff notes version yeah pretty much and then like and then and then like the whatever end. if yes. only those were as popular because it'd be so much easier to write <laughs> oh i would oh my god it's like an elongated prompt essentially yeah, like here a super you, prompt yeah like i'll give you the whole thing i just don't want to write it <laughs> Chapter there are three, definitely they talk people that do, do that though like there are oh, people sure. out there making them tumblr posts and it's hey i'm all down for that yeah I'm joking that that's what I'm doing with Bridgerton with Saber is I'm writing like no, at all the dialogue and the plot and doing no descriptions whatsoever. <laughs> she thinks I'm joking that I'm going to make her write the descriptions, but I'm not fucking doing it. She's going to write the descriptions. So, I don't write descriptions. Uh, I write dialogue and plot. So, um, but anyway, I think the sugar daddy thing is so fascinating too. First of all, because it, it is one of those things that I have found that a lot of younger readers don't think happens in real life. Mm. And I think sex workers are somewhat like- Instagram, my friends. <laughs> I would like to introduce you to essentially most of TikTok. Um, yeah. But I think this is the same case with sex work too. Like that it's one of the, it's an actual educational piece of fandom um, is what, because the the average human i'm using air quotes and hand gestures probably will not have a personal relationship with a professional sex worker yeah until the age of majority at at most yeah um and that's for a whole host of reasons or if they do have one they don't know they have one and mm -hmm. so fic is a way to explore those questions and kind of get into it and there's not a lot of like published memoirs i mean diary of a call girl um, there's a lot, there's some more work now on being a cam girl and kind of what that looks like. But in some ways, fic would be the only place to, one of the only places to explore what this profession could look like. Um, and so I like that about the, and so back to the sugar daddy thing for a minute, just because I, I love this, but I find it really difficult to write because a, a sugar daddy is that weird in between of a relationship and pure sex. And so how do you then write the transition into like they had a relationship really, but it's based on money. And so mm -hmm. once we take the money away, what do we do? And so it's that, it's that weird in between that I've never been able to pull off. I have three whips sitting in my folder and none of them work. <laughs> I'm desperate to pull it off and I just can't do it because I can't figure out how you would build trust after that. Um, yeah, which really is one of the fun challenges to me of a sex work fic is that you, since you don't have that middle piece, really, it can be a little bit more gradual and a little bit more messy, but I still think you can build trust because the money is not in any way, shape or form in order to exchange for anything, but bodies on bodies. Yeah. And when you get into sugar daddy, it's, it's more complicated and the money represents more. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
I have a sugar daddy story where the mission statement, it's like, it's a series, it's partially posted. And the mission statement was that I wanted to write a happy sugar daddy story where there was no like misunderstanding or angst or like drama about the thing. They just like legitimately fall in love while in this relationship and, and just like, it's just good. (laughs) (laughs) And like, I mean, you know what I like. So I do find that hard to write, but, um, (laughs) but yeah, like you say that, that whole dynamic, it's hard to show like progress sort of because yeah, like if you have a sugar daddy, you want them to be nice to you too. So like, yeah, it's sort of like, well, what's, what's missing in the relationship? If it's like, you like each other, you care about each other, you have sex. And one of you just gives the other one a lot of money. Like that just sounds like a nice relationship to me. <laughs> Everything's yeah, going well. So like, what do we, what do, what do we have to show the reader? What's the, yeah. what's the arc here? Yeah. yeah. That, that one is tricky. That one's on the line. Should we like, should we like run down? I feel like there's not a huge range of like potential sex work things. Like we've got like the straight up, uh, like street corner hooker. <laughs> yeah, I pretty, feel pretty like woman. there's fewer of those. Yeah, I can't say I've seen a lot of those. Uh, you, you'll see more them. more of the escort like agency ones, yeah, yeah. right? Hire an escort online. That's probably. I don't know if that one's the most common or if um, like uh, OnlyFans kind of like um, da, 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 like, like online. Campbell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm looking for. Like but him, do are we counting strippers because stripper stripping oh, yeah yeah yeah, mm, yeah that would be so, higher if we're counting that as sex work i don't know yes. if do. do we well Officially? i think <laughs> flame okay <laughs> tell us what's the rule <laughs> <laughs> sociologically yeah, that exotic dancers are in often considered to be sex workers um even though they're not but because it's under the table pay and they are judged for it for similar reasons, mm-hmm. um, you know, that we don't have the legalization, um, criminalization debate for uh, adult and exotic dancers, but we do have the cultural and social stigmatization. Um, yes. That is a piece of it. In terms of if fandom, I'd say we count strippers into sex work for the simple fact that you don't read a whole lot of stripper fix that don't involve them fucking Um, yeah so i think the point is like oh well we all know that this is a happy ending kind of kind of place um in real life that line is a little bit messier Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. i will get into that later um but i i mean legitimately they earn their money through their body in a way that is meant to be sexually gratifying it's a sexualized performance so like yeah yeah yeah. it's a sexualized performance i have several friends who are or friends colleagues and contacts who are exotic dancers that absolutely consider themselves sex workers okay i have several that don't and i have several escort contacts and friends because i've done research um around Mm -hmm. in this area and and i'm also just the weirdo that likes (laughs) to ask people their profession and I have lots of friends in a lot of strange professions, which is wonderful and I love it. Um, but where they get really angry when strippers call themselves sex workers. Oh, okay. okay. So, and this so is one of the area. things, 
it's a real gray area and this is one of the problems with spoiler alert that we don't that we do have it criminalized and illegal in a lot of places is that we can't draw some of these boundaries and help people in america get health insurance but also um have protections that need to come with the nuances of their individual profession right Mm -hmm. but at the base level like sociologically i would say that yes, their body is a sexualized performance for the intent of titillating and or the sexual gratification of someone else. Yeah. Okay. All right. So yeah, maybe we like we have a Venn diagram or something, but <laughs> yeah, we'll put we'll is. put strippers on the on the collage. Yeah. For, for fan yeah. purposes, I think it, you know, yeah. more often than not. You know, and that's a generalization, but I think more often than not, yeah, it does sort of fall into that bucket yeah but and that makes sense to me too because fandom is entirely about fantasy and so the point of stripping often the point of going to a strip club or or a magic mic show or whatever is that you want to imagine that you're going to end up fucking the dancer (laughs) yes yeah that's the point and so that's the fantasy like every magic mic show i've been to like there's definitely been at least one of them where i'm like okay like Yes, please. I'll take yeah. that one. <laughs> it's their job to make you want to have sex with them. That's <laughs> how they make it. their money. <laughs> That's how they make their money. And let me tell you, A++ for a couple of them. It works. Um, <laughs> it works. And then like the, the lights come back up and you like the, the, the music goes away and you're like, holy fuck, what just happened? Um, I did. I did go to a uh, show with uh, male dancers once and it was actually traumatizing in that a very attractive but very sweaty man motorboated my boobs when i was not expecting it (laughs) oh my goodness yeah because i tend to be uh boisterous and happy and and uh have a good time and uh so i guess that was seen as an invitation (laughs) yes but it was not an invitation to motorboat my boobs (laughs) wow but yeah so yeah. And at the same time, I went to college with uh, a male dancer who um, the, the sort of the troupe that he was with did more um, like a circus performance thing. So he had fire batons. That was his act. So he would dance and strip, but also throw fire around. Wow. That's overstimulating. <laughs> It does seem like that's just too much. <laughs> that feels like and too dangerous. Much. Well, I don't. I can think I can say with some confidence, no one's written that AU yet. So line <laughs> up, folks. There's an opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> that could be a really fun poly one where the act is somebody lights fire, and then the next dancer is a firefighter stripper. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ooh. I and was thinking a in the audience. I was thinking Tony practicing his fire baton, his sexy fire baton routine and dummy spraying him with the fire extinguisher. <laughs> yes, I, I love it. We took that in really different direction. <laughs> Hashtag flare. Hashtag flare it. Um, oh, I love it. But yeah, I think, so I think for the most, I think the most popular, if we did, if we searched tags, I would think the most popular would be would be strippers or escorts. I've searched, I'm thinking, my pause was I was thinking. 
I've searched Camboy a lot because that's one of my personal favorites. And I there are never enough. Never. You know, I, I say that, but I don't know. The Camboy one isn't my favorite. Okay. I don't know. The Camboy and the Glory Hole aren't my favorite. I, mean, I don't do, know why. Do you I like, think it's a disconnect. It's because Honestly, like, there's less well. emotional connection. And for me, okay. I really like the emotional connection. Like the like, oh, we were just having our lusty sex worker sex, but now we've made eye contact and it's kind of intense. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas okay. with with the cam worker and the um, uh, glory hole and, and that stuff, it's there's literally a barrier between you, whether it's the computer screen or the wall that the hole is in. Yeah. I, yeah, I think, I think I kind of like, like, it's sort of like, I sort of feel like if, if you're doing one of the like barrier ones, then the barrier has to be part of the appeal. Like it yes, has to right. be the, like the tease or like the frustration kind of, cause it's like, yeah. if you can just, if you're just there and you can just have each other and have sex, you have to put something else that's preventing them from like, you know, mm-hmm. like they haven't realized they have feelings yet, blah, blah, blah. Like there's something there, yeah. but yeah. If it's, if it's a, if there's a digital or physical barrier, then it's kind of like, okay, you need to find a way to get around this. And that's kind of yeah. the, the point. Yeah. I think I, I think I just sort of side on, um, side with, um, the emotional barriers more than a physical barrier. Yeah. I like them to have to overcome the emotional barrier and that's. Like the, as always, it's a personal preference, right? Like my absolute favorite sex worker fic is uh, "Gift with Purchase" remix, Saber's fic, um, and there the barrier is that Steve has, you know, this secret that the reason that he's into sex work, and and so he's got this secret, and Tony's got his own secrets, and you know, I I just like that more yeah. than I like a, you know, anonymous physical barrier yeah i i i can uh i i'm i definitely like that that's probably like my favorite is the straight up like escort i think the classic escort yeah. is my favorite um and the fact that tony's so rich is always like if he's the payer there's always this like mm-hmm. he can buy as much as he wants and that's like yeah. part of the vibe of gift with purchase is like he can just keep spending money to have more yeah. steve and it's like there's yeah. something hot about that too but yeah. I do like the camboy style fic where there's like, like the, the, the one who's on camera can see the comments and stuff and has this like idea of what the other person is like based on their like digital presence. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that starts to be the like, you know, like, oh, they're like, you know, playing favorites among their uh, watchers and stuff like that. <laughs> and yeah. I, I like that. I like that development yeah. too. That's cool. Yeah. And like, don't get me wrong. I'll happily read the glory hole and the camboy fix. <laughs> that, that is not going to stop me. <laughs> Let's but. be clear. Robin is not picky. No. <laughs> <laughs> but I am equal opportunity. Smut reader is what I am. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm pretty much there too. I just, I like, <laughs> I like variety. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I have very few hard no's when it comes to fic. Like I'll read so, so much. But in yeah. back to the Camboy, just really quick. My favorite one is a winter iron one where it's a, obviously an AU, but Bucky's just home from 
a war, fill in the blank. Can't remember if it's Iraq or Afghanistan. He's back mm-hmm. from one of the more recent failed attempts in the Middle East. Uh-huh. And is sans arm um, and is depressed as fuck and on Sam and Steve's couch. And get, and essentially like his whole life becomes this this guy, this cam guy that he's in love with. And, but like, because of how he holds the computer, like Tony is Tony and figures out that he doesn't have an arm and Uh. is still talking to him like a full human being, which is, so it's this both and like both of their are a thing and both of them have secrets to hold in a way. And so you get the, the barrier of the computer, but through the barrier, the barrier of the computer makes it safe enough for them to talk about the, about everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, which I really, really love that. I also, I am a sucker for modern Bucky Barnes who lost his arm in a, in something. And yes. Wakanda does not exist. And so trying to figure out how he navigates not having an arm is one of my favorite yeah. Yeah. tropes in a way. And I appreciated that. Like there's a conversation somewhere in the fic. Again, please don't ask me to link this. Um, <laughs> There's a conversation somewhere in the fic about like how he how he can jerk off while watching Tony, like and how that balancing act can work because he only has a hand. Um, and and I, I remember the first time I read it, I was I was on vacation and I just like sat up and I went, "This is a person that has put a lot of thought. Yes, and I have a lot of time for this. Thank you so much. I can see this person in their living room, like trying to move their arm to try to." <laughs> how would I do this yeah how would one do this and I got such solidarity because I've been writing somewhere and like started to move and Mr. Flame has been like what are you writing now (laughs) I'm trying to figure out if this could do this and then he'll be like no I'm like okay I definitely (laughs) asked Mr. F to do like I was like can can you like can you bend this way like does this what if you sat that way like what kind of what kind of just hold that position right there let me think about it (laughs) Yeah, I said, I said, as the owner of the penis in this marriage, <laughs> how does this sound? And he'll, he'll give approval or denial. So. Um, I call him my local penis wielder. Yeah. Okay yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. I think I can't think of like a lot of other like incarnations of the sex worker AU. I did do uh, my one real sex worker AU that I wrote. I wrote one that was assumed sex worker. I wrote two that were assumed sex worker. But one was a remix of the other. But the one I wrote where Steve was intentionally a sex worker was also um, in uh, um, what is the word I'm looking for? Um, uh, indentured servitude. It was indentured oh, servitude. Right, right, right. Yeah. So it was sex work, but also uh, had a lot of moral questions that I chose not to dive into. Uh, <laughs> Fair enough. Fair. <laughs> I thought about them and I had, I had started like a, to, a, an outline to turn it into a big, uh, important, uh, deep thoughts fic. And I was like, no, I'm just porn. And then fade to black. That's good enough. <laughs> Cause I just didn't have the energy to put that much thought into like, what that deserves because it deserves a lot of exploration and yeah you don't want to like half ass (laughs) no exactly it was all or nothing and I decided on nothing (laughs) to 
totally valid. <laughs> but valid. The, yeah, that Instead, brings up the, there like... was an inflatable butt plug. So, you know, <laughs> that was where my all came in. <laughs> Important. Um, but yeah, that brings up the like, uh, the category of like concubines and like yeah. sex slaves and like forced sex work as a as a trope which yeah. obviously a lot darker but still yes. appealing <laughs> yes it, uh, to, to those gonna... who like the dark stuff very appealing yeah and i was gonna say the three of us tend to write rom-coms porn happy ending stuff but yeah. there is the, the dark slice on all of these there are the people like i read a great 616 fic right once where tony's alcoholism got him and um steve was hiring him as a sex worker just to give him money yeah yeah um, was that written and- by kiar by any chance yeah, it, it sounds like was. something she wrote <laughs> it's probably it's key it's probably key or sign like, yeah, yeah it was definitely key or sign i can't remember which one but it was definitely one of them it was one of them um, maybe both all of this- <laughs> yeah possibly both um it's there's dark ends to all of this and however your fantasy swings yeah um i think the other thing with that we didn't quite touch on with the sex work is that it does allow the opening up of the of a kink conversation that may or may not exist in someone's like dating fic like if you really want to go saint you know like a you want to go complete BDSM, sex work might be the easier way to go at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, like the magic but, of just having to find uh, like a friend or a date who's super into exactly the same extreme exactly. sex activity. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like, oh no, I, I would like to explore this piece of me. I'm going to hire somebody to do that in yeah. a more expeditious way often to kind of get there. Um, but then that, that slices, that slices if, if, you're, if you want to write or are into reading sadism, sex work is a great a a great way into that world yeah 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 Uh, it's almost there's a there's a flavor out there for everybody (laughs) whether it's you know yeah that really dark dark painful uh exploration or that really super kinky uh let's see how many things we can put up Steve's butt thing or (laughs) you know like like even that we could just make me feel loved and hold me for half an hour like there's lots of different (laughs) ways on the spectrum and I that's you know there's something for everyone I think that that's it's interesting because this topic like we can't come up with like a huge number of slices of the pie and I did do some tag searching and the tags aren't even particularly well organized for like yeah. what the options are. There's not a lot of canon- can- can- canonized tags. And um, uh, there's a lot of variations and not many people use like broad tags like sex worker or whatever. So it's actually fairly hard to get statistics on what people are writing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's not actually, you know, we came up with like, what, like five or six different kinds in terms of like what kind of sex work people can do. But the emotional range within those options yeah. is really huge. And there's a whole world of, of possibilities yeah. there. So it's sort of like, yeah, it's, there's not many cakes, but they're all really big with a lot of intricate decorations yeah. on them. <laughs> yes, exactly. Barrett, has sex worker AU come up in trope off? I can't remember. 
I don't know. I don't think so. I'll have to check. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember if it because we. I don't think we've talked about it before on mic, and it we would have if it came up. Yeah, I. So. I can't say for certain if it's going to be in round two or not, and I wouldn't want to give it away if it were. So. Of course not. I because again, everyone. I don't get spoilers. I don't know what's in round two either. But I don't. I. I really don't think it was in round one. Yeah, I don't think we've talked about it. So if it's not in round two, I would like to at this moment nominate it for mm. round three. For the simple fact that I'd love to see, because I'm making what it gets around combined three. with. Yeah. I, a, I want to see what it gets combined with, but B, I want to see how it fares when it's up against other things. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I'm like, will people give it the depth of thought that we that we have here today? <laughs> I does, feel does like give anything the depth of thought that we give it on this podcast. <laughs> I feel like sex worker AU is something people like to read more than they like to write. Um, and the yeah. reason I think that is, is because of all the uh, sociological attachments to sex work as it exists in the real world. And I think it's one of those things people don't want to step on wrong. They don't want to make a wrong assumption. They don't want to... Um, you know, it, we want to be sex work positive, but also we want, you know, that sort of that dirty, drama. Yeah. dirty little secret and that drama and all that other good stuff. So I think that's a really hard line to walk. And I think that makes it hard for people yeah. to write. Yeah, that's maybe. And I think also that maybe while there's a big range of like emotional premises, mm -hmm. because it's sort of limited in how many like, uh, story premises there are um that coming up with like plots that don't feel like they've been done already which obviously two cakes but just like <laughs> the thing that grabs you to be like oh I want to write this like there isn't that little like yeah. motivating nugget because it's kind of like how many more ways can we do this and I think we can we can yeah. do it a lot of different ways but it takes a little bit of extra thought to come up with something mm -hmm. that that feels like chaseable in that way that's just got that little like you know there's a bit you can get your teeth around yeah yeah the one I did the longest I combined it with um like Omegaverse and... yeah and like the way that it intersects with other tropes is mm -hmm. yeah and I feel like more often than not it is intersecting with another trope or another AU idea whether that yeah. like almost well how many can you think of that are even not uh, a sort of a non-superpowered AU. Yeah, right? like, like I the, think that one that that Flame was just talking about. Exactly. Tony, like this is the only one I can think of where they're still who they are. Are yeah. there any other canon ones? <laughs> I think I've seen. No, but now I need have, to write one. <laughs> right? Like okay, like uh, my brain's just like. What about this? Now, like, I think Steve I wakes up read... and wants to connect to the world, so he starts doing like fucking OnlyFans or whatever. I oh, like, why not? <laughs> yes, who knows, right? To Tony, yeah. <laughs> so he comes to Tony and he says, "I have this idea, and like, so can you do your barf thing, but like, give me a different face, like in Ooh. tech, uh -huh. and like deep fake." Tony's like, um, sure, like, why? sure, let's do that. 
and like I'll need an example just, video to like make sure the technology works and Steve's just like okay and films exactly what he's gonna post and Tony's like you could have just like talked at the camera for 10 minutes <laughs> <laughs> or you go the other way Tony is also an oblivious idiot and he gets so excited about the tech side of it goes on an eight day deep dive without even asking Steve what the point of it is <laughs> what could you possibly want this for what could like it doesn't matter because he just has to solve this puzzle now yeah and then like on day four or whatever nat wanders down and is like do you even know what you're doing this for (laughs) (laughs) there are there yeah okay infinite possibilities that aren't explored i got another one stuccone Where Steve and yes. Tony, it's like post Winter Soldier and Steve and Tony are at the tower. They're trying to find Bucky and they find him hooking because <sighs> that's like what he's turned to in, you know, not having anything else to do and being hot. God, let's do it. That plum money. Got to get that plum money somehow. Gotta get that plum money. <laughs> There's a lot of options here. Plums don't grow on trees, it. you guys. Um. <laughs> 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 Yes. Got so, yes. Sex worker prompts. Is that what we were going yeah. with? Yeah. yeah. More sex worker prompts. This is actually probably, we can just hit like, we could keep doing this forever. So why don't we hit pause and turn <laughs> it over to all the rest of you who have suffered through our laughing over each other for so long. And we'd love to know your creative sex worker prompts. And uh, what I will say too, is if you give us, anybody who gives it, gives us a sex worker prompt. I will throw them into a randomizer and I will write one. Ooh. Um, so, cause I'm, de- I'm looking for inspiration and prompts right now. So prompt us slash me. And if it's fun enough, I'll drag these other two into it. Yeah, um, I'm for, the three of us to, for the three of us to work. And I meant that that way. Um, yeah. <laughs> hey, and, uh, and we'll, we'll round Robin a sex worker prompt in some way. But get, we'd love to know what you think about this topic. As always, tell us what ones you've read, what ones you've written, what ones that don't exist that you'd love to see. Um, hit us up in the Discord or on any of the socials, or if you want to, either in our email or fandom feelings or any of the places you can talk to us and talk to us about sex worker AUs. How do you feel? What do you want? If you were on the mic with us, what would, what would you have said? Um, what inappropriate joke would you have made? <laughs> um allow us into your brain for this one and uh we'll uh can't wait to report back in next week's community talks so for our episode on sex work and sex worker AUs. Uh, we wanted to do a plug. So here we are on the plug and we picked a fic and we're going to talk about it. Um, but we actually got a little bit silly and we picked a fic that is not really a sex worker AU. It's sort of a fake sex worker AU. Um, spoiler alert. As always, if you haven't read it, hit pause, go read it first. Um, totally worth your while. You'll have a great time. And then you can come back and listen to our conversation. Uh, the fic is called Place Your Bets and it's by Rurune Hime 
who are, we are going to call Rue from now on because that's a mouthful. Um, and apologies if we've said that wrong. We did our best. Uh, it's it's a great fic. I think it's about thirty six thousand words. If I have it, or maybe it was yeah, right on the money. Exactly thirty six thousand words, which is very sexy. Um, and basically, uh, there's kind of a bet on either side. Steve and Tony don't know each other. Um, it's a, it's a no powers AU, but Tony's mostly still Tony Stark, but I'm going to say slightly, slightly less famous, but only slightly, um, like take away the fame of Iron Man. And that's pretty much where he is. So, you know, makes sense. Um, Bucky basically bets Steve or challenges Steve to get a date because he's had a dry spell. And he says, you know, you don't have to find someone you're gonna fall in love with, but just like, kiss somebody maybe like get a little action have a nice time meet some people because the two of them have just got back from a tour i don't know if they say where they're back from you know war or conflict somewhere um from serving in the army and uh on the flip side we see that tony has been bet by roadie that or you know he sort of makes roadie bet him because he wants to do it uh that he can't pick somebody up if he's pretending to be a hooker because he is, um, he's too well known. Rhodey says no one's gonna, everyone's gonna know who he is. And even if they didn't know who he was, he doesn't know how to, how to do that. So he's not going to be able to pick up a John is basically the idea, but Tony's feeling goofy and he wants to do it. Uh, the key point here is that Steve does not know who Tony is as Tony Stark because he's just come back from wherever he was and uh, sort of skipped the celebrity boom that Tony went through when he took over the company or something. Um, you know, however it works, he doesn't know who Tony is. So premise of the fic, Steve's trying to pick up Tony because he sees him across the way and thinks he's attractive and is trying to show Bucky that he's, you know, he could do this. And Tony is trying to pick up somebody who wants to pay for sex. And they collide in the best possible way, end up going on a date, and things go cray-cray from there. Uh, so in a way, yes, it is not accurately a sex worker AU. And yet that factor drives the whole story and is the fundamental basis of a lot of what happens steve's assumption that tony is a sex worker and tony being now trapped in this lie that he's told that he is selling sex um puts the barrier between them that as they develop feelings for each other they need to find a way to take down uh and for me i really liked that there's a, a couple things sort of stood out to me. One is that since we're talking about sex worker AUs, I felt that it essentially followed the same story path that it would have if it were expressly a sex worker story, but managed to do that while turning the trope on its head as well, which I just found really fun. And I, I love when tropes are sort of twisted and they're not quite what you expect. And so having this story that you can imagine the same story, but have... Um, you know, either flip their, you know, a remix would be so easy making it a, an actual sex worker AU and either have Steve, uh, Tony actually be a sex worker and, um, but they meet and they go on and, you know, 
Steve's challenge to take him on a date and he does take him on a date, but Tony doesn't reveal that he's a sex worker. And so the, the thing he's hiding through the fic isn't that he is Tony Stark TM, but that he is a sex worker. And so much of the fic could be the same with that being the secret. And I just found it was really enjoyable and really interesting and fun to have it instead be that Tony's like, no, no, I'm not a celebrity. I'm a sex worker. Like he actually feels that being Tony Stark and being that celebrity and known the way that Tony Stark is known is worse perception wise than being a sex worker, which obviously has a lot of social stigma attached to it. But he would rather that Steve at, at that point in their relationship, he doesn't, when he doesn't want Steve to find out, he would rather Steve believe that he's a sex worker than, than find out he's Tony Stark. And I just find that, relationship of Tony with himself to be very Tony-like and also interesting to read and interesting to think about when we're talking about the tropes that drive sex worker AUs. Yeah, I completely agree. What's fascinating so much in this particular fic is that, I'm scrolling back up just to make sure that I get when this was written because I want to, yeah, so it's 2016, which is like a little bit in the, in the peak of the when I read fix and go back and read fix this was a lot of the era of a lot of this kind of vibe of stony like a lot of aw shucks first like just out of the ice still 2012 kind of steve and this kind of frantic mess that is, <laughs> that is tony we were um, all trying to dodge the whole civil war thing and just be like let's pretend it's like three years ago <laughs> i i don't blame a single one of you no um but this is like, this is kind of one of the greatest examples to me. Like, I forgot this was even a sex worker AU until, until you said like, why don't we do this one? Because I love this one entirely because of the, the dynamics, not only between Steve and Tony, but then like with Rhodey and, and uh, Bucky as the wingmen. Um, because the James is meddling with Tony and Steve is my, one of my favorite Stony elements. Like, oh, yeah. I just, I love the Jameses. Um, and I could read the Rhodey and Tony slash Bucky and Steve show forever. And so I, I, I loved that. I, in that saying that, I bring that up because a huge part of a sex worker AU in a lot of ways is like the friends knowing that the sex worker has fallen for the person and like how the friend talks about that. Like that's a present, that's present frequently in the trope. It is. Um, and so we get that on both ends. Like Rhodey has been over it since four point seconds, four point seven seconds in. I think um, he might have been over it before it even started. It was yeah, he was he's been over Tony since nineteen ninety one. But um it's just a really fascinating dynamic. I also just love in terms of things I love about the fic, just want to point this out. This is a short time frame and yet so rich in detail. Yeah. It the, the is relationship so... happens rapidly like they fall for each other over you know less than a week i i think but you get so much detail and feeling and, and experience in that time sorry i interrupted you but yeah I did. that's okay like i yeah i think it's like maybe five days which is also a very new york rom-com energy like new york is a character in this story and like brooklyn is a character in this story and how they physically interact with the space. The only thing I didn't personally love the Peggy 
stuff. Um, it just wasn't my favorite detour, as it were, into into a past. But I love the High Line. I love the idea that, I mean, physically, I love walking the High Line. So I loved the High Line. I love the big gay ice cream truck. So I was pretty happy with that uh, cameo, as it were. I'm a sucker for Steve with small children. So I loved the orphanage aspect. Anytime you throw Harley at me and the potato <laughs> gun, I'm going to be in. Um, Peter being a blushing, stammering idiot who's still really good at science, always a tick box for flame. So all of it just kind of wrapped together, like I said, except for that one little plot device I didn't necessarily love as much, but still loved the fic overall. Even, and it's so well executed that I forgot the entire plot thing that like in terms of the warm fuzzies it gave me, I forgot the, even the conceit of the bet until you brought it up to me again. <laughs> um, it's interesting. Cause uh, you know, we were talking in our last segment, we were talking with Rob and we talked about barriers a lot. Like what's the barrier that's keeping them apart and, and the difference between having a physical barrier and having an emotional barrier that keeps them apart. And obviously this fic leans so hard into that emotional barrier and all 36,000 words are about how they're going to break that down. And that just fits the vibe of what we were talking about, what, what we like and what we expect from a sex work AU is that, is that barrier. And these boys managed to create that barrier between them. They both contribute to it. Yep. Without either of them actually being a sex worker. And yet they're just like, yes, that is the thing. <laughs> that is the thing here between us. And um, I'm, I'm like really impressed at the ability of, of them to be like, here's a thing that a lot of stories use as a way to keep two people apart. It's a classic, you know, not just in fic, pretty woman. That's the, you know, fundamental basis there. We, we love that. We love doing a, we love doing a, I can't be with you because um, you know, you only like me because you're paying for it and, and you're only here because I'm paying for it kind of thing. Uh, neither of them ever actually pays for it. Neither of them ever actually has sex and neither with each nope. other in the fic and neither of them is actually a sex worker. And yet those three things are still the emotional barrier that's keeping them apart. And that's just, it's, it's very deftly done and I'm impressed. <laughs> that's a great point and they constructed it entirely themselves which is a really good as you said it's a good reminder that for most of us are the emotional barriers are the ones we create ourselves oh yeah for sure it's like you know what you don't actually need to have like a great class divide or a language conflict or your family hates the other person if you're dramatic enough you will find a way to keep yourself apart from the one you love without anyone else's influence at all <laughs> good news do you have the emotional capacity of a teaspoon? You too can star in a fanfic. Like, <laughs> So yeah, ultimately at yes. the end of the day, I just, I love how this is a fic that is, you know, it's tagged fake prostitution. It's not, it doesn't claim to be a sex worker fic and yet it hits the points that we were talking about as our favorite things about a sex worker fic. And that's, that's beautiful. <laughs> Yeah, highly recommended. I will say too, I've binged all of Rue's other fix and uh, recommend them highly oh, yeah, as an author. Highly. So if this is your first introduction into Rue's work, please enjoy. They've got 52 uh, Marvel fix, 
currently doing a little bit more work in Destiel, which I also dip into, but if you don't, then you've got 52 Marvel fix to glom onto, as well as some other fandoms that they have written in. This fic and Rue's AO3 will be in the show notes, so please go check it out if you didn't pause and, and go run read it before we started talking, if you wanted to listen to our conversation first, and uh, make sure that you drop some kudos, some comments, some bookmarks, some love, do a reblog. Um, and thanks for Rue for writing this because we loved it and we still love it. Um, and, uh, and to you guys for listening, if you have any more comments on, you know, trope subversion, particularly subverting the sex worker AU trope or other recommendations, hit us up. Folks, Professor Flame here. I want to talk just a little bit about the history of sex work. First of all, if you are thinking sex work, that's a really weird word. Why doesn't she just call them prostitutes? Excellent question. People who engage in the profession themselves have asked us to refer to them as sex workers and not prostitutes or hookers or whores or anything else. Now, I know we talk about that in fic and we use hooking really, you know, kind of liberally. So for most of us like that kind of discipline is maybe aspirational i definitely try to say sex worker or sex work as often as possible there are times i absolutely like slip and i may even in this segment but i do try very very carefully to um make sure to refer to it as work because it is it's labor it's labor where sex is exchanged for money this is different than sexual slavery this is different than sexual trafficking i'm going to specifically be referring to an entity in which there is an element of consent on behalf of the person performing the work, we can, you know, there's there's layers of consent, but there is an element of consent. So the history of this, especially because as we talked about earlier in the segment with Robin, the sexual slavery and, and within fic, like is, is kind of its own thing. And fix in which we say that, you know, the, the sex worker does not have control over their own lives is, um, you know, we would, more often refer to that like as a dark fic and not necessarily as as a happily ever after a rom-com like ferret and and robin and i write so gonna narrow this entirely towards i guess the kind of sex workers that uh, that are in a lot of fic which is there is a level of consent of some again of some fashion i even wrote my longest uh fic about Steve being a stripper though is based in an Omegaverse society in which he has very little choice, but he still made a choice to be um, an exotic dancer rather than a teacher or whatever else I could have given him options to be. All of that to say, for this purpose and for the purpose of this conversation, when I think about the sociological definition of sex work, which is again, somebody consents to use their body for the sexual gratification of somebody else in exchange for monetary goods, then an exotic dancers do fall into this category. There is debate that I've read whether they should or shouldn't. For the purposes of our conversation today, they are going to. Just because again, I base sex work 
when I look at the definitions that are out there and kind of what my research goes over and, and all the research stuff, I really like making sure it ties to the element of consent. And it also ties to the idea that your body is to bring pleasure and or sexual gratification to somebody else. So whether it's comfort, whether that pleasure is comfort or whatever, but the idea is that you are exchanging goods to use your body to bring someone else pleasure, sexual or otherwise, um, within the, within the content of this thing. So couple things out of the way, that out of the way, obviously the stigma around sex work, as far as I am concerned, come largely from the fact that as humans, we are terrible about talking about sex when it's not within the language of procreation. So obviously procreation is generally off the table when we're talking about sex work. Like that's not the point of this exchange at all. The point is entirely pleasure. And humans, especially in the United States, are really, really shitty at talking about things that are just pleasurable and serve no other pragmatic purpose. However, prostitution wasn't technically outlawed in the United States until 1915, and we'll get to that in a minute. So sex work, see, I slipped it just then. Sex work is a is the world's oldest profession. That joke is true. We have recorded elements of people exchange, of using their body to make money in every recorded society, pretty much. Um, there's some tribal societies where that isn't the case that, you know, um, especially in the Andes mountains, but it's very, very rare. And how the sex work is perceived definitely shifts based on cultural values. There are some where it's a recognized profession, you know, especially now. And so therefore the sex workers have rights and are protected, but in the majority, they are shunned or reviled their punishment, their punished stoning, imprisonment, death, even just, you know, a real, real, kind of negative concept of them in society. Now, the true double standard is that very few societies ostracize people who buy sex work or criminalize people who buy sex work. There are countries that are changing that, which is great, but like, that's a thing. The ostracization of sex work has been around since the Greeks and Romans. They actually mandated that sex workers wear distinctive dress and they paid a lot of really severe taxes even those that were like temple sex workers and part of worship of that particular God was engaging in sex with one of the temple guards. Those temple guards, those temple sex workers still paid really high levels of taxes because the world is wonderful. Um, so there was an idea that maybe in the middle ages, and this is pretty common that a lot of women and, and down and down on their luck others, but marginalized groups will often turn to sex work because they have no other option. So, and this was very, very prevalent in the middle ages in Europe. And so the Catholic church was like, you know what, we're going to fund their dowries and we're going to get out of it. Um, but it just, it didn't like, that didn't really work for a whole host of reasons. Prostitution actually really flourished in the middle ages in Europe. Um, it was protected and licensed and regulated by law. And it constituted a really big part of public income in most European countries which is a huge part of the argument now for the decriminalization and legalization of sex work. So public brothels, pu again, public brothels, government run brothels were established in huge cities throughout Europe. For instance, in Toulouse in France, the profits were shared between the city and the university. So students who go to the University of Toulouse now, I mean, it was funded by sex workers. In England, the bordellos were actually originally licensed by the bishops of Winchester and then by parliament, but there was, there was absolutely state regulation and, and kind of how that happened. Now, there were stricter controls during the 16th century, partially because the Protestants showed up, you're welcome. And whenever we show up, we bring sexual morality that's a little bit, you know, kind of more, um, 
more strict, shall we say, the counter-reformation with the Catholics, the Catholic Church kind of fought back, um, you know, Reformation II, electric boogaloo, as it were. Now, a lot, a lot less legalization. Uh, and mud, but like, honestly, we know this, no less activity. And so sexually transmitted diseases skyrocketed. The sporadic attempts were made to suppress brothels and such things. But like, honestly, like people are, if they're willing to give, if they're willing to do this, it's going to flourish. So the late 19th centuries, we get a lot of Victorian, uh, you know, sensibilities, there's a huge variety of changes in Western societies, and there was a real strong revival to suppress sex work. The rise of feminism um, within that kind of, that's like first wave feminism, like around suffrage. Many came to regard like male complete sexual freedom as a threat to both women's status and public and physical health, which it is. There was also, but not necessarily like this, there is, a also a major in the Victorian era, lots and lots of awakenings and revivals in various Protestant countries, including the United States. There was massive anti-prostitution campaigns and they were usually connected with suffrage and temperance because it was this whole idea of if we get rid of drinking and prostitutes and we give women the vote and we kind of, be, we can all become these buttoned moral, buttoned up, I mean, by like the collar. I'm making the thing, the, the gesture where I'm buttoning my collar. <laughs> you can't see me, but it's all kind of, it's all kind of there. So international cooperation kind of started to have to become clear as the, you know, the, the trade routes continued to be done and, and folks started to realize that some of the movement of of sex workers, particularly women, was was trafficking. This is where we start getting the first, um, the first kind of recorded cases of of sexual trafficking, which is different than slavery. Um, and there's nuances in there that are important. It is a subsect of slavery, but sex trafficking is specifically for, they are not made for manual labor. They are not, if this is not the transatlantic slave trade, I am sure there were some slaves taken from Africa for the sexual gratification exclusively of those that bought them. But this is much more clandestine. There were not markets for sexual slavery. There were not, you know, sex trafficking has always been under the radar. Always is kind of what is kind of what I'm getting to. So in an effort to kind of crack down on this, um, we we hit the the League of Nations came together after World War One, and in 1921 they established the Committee on the Traffic in Women and Children. And in 1949, the League of Nations successor, the United Nations adopted a convention for the suppression of prostitution. Great, cool. All of that is fine. But what really is important for the United States is that in 1910, there was something called the Mann Act, M-A-N-N, -N, after a dude, which prohibited interstate transport of women for immoral purposes. That then opened up the door by 1915, almost all the states had passed laws that banned brothels or regulated the profits of prostitution, as it were. After World War II, it remained prohibited, sex work remained prohibited, but it was like unofficially tolerated in a decent chunk of places. And many law enforcement agencies were more concerned with regulating crimes associated with the practice like theft and robbery committed against clients. This is where you get a lot of the myths that like women would lure men into like their welcoming vaginas and then rob them. This happened 
very actually statistically rarely compared to men who would sleep with women and then kill them. But we didn't really keep accurate track of the men that were sleeping with women and then killing them, because why would we do that? That would be silly. Um, there was also quite a lot of uh, pearl clutching over sex trafficking, specifically of white girls. This is another area in which um, the power of whiteness comes up and you can see this fear of white girls being sex trafficked and kidnapped and everything, even now. I mean, we can talk about like how many true crime properties have we all consumed where the victims are, are white women versus women of color or, or BIPOC in general. Um, so it's, it's, yeah, it's messy. It's been technically illegal in the United States since 1910 um, and since, and then 1915. It is legal in some counties in Nevada. There is a growing movement to decriminalize it, it as an act. And so therefore the, the workers themselves are not punished for selling themselves. Um, and then of course, to legalize it, decriminalization is the first step and then legalization. So just really quick now, let's get into the, I just wanna touch really briefly on sex tourism and a lot of things like that in Asian and Middle Eastern countries where it may be completely illegal, but it still thrives. Um, like for instance, actually it is legal in, in Turkey and they do that so that there can be health checks for sex workers. Um, but, and then in Bangladesh, I'm looking at my notes, Prostitution is notionally legal. This is what the Bangladeshi embassy website says, but soliciting is prohibited. So we get some gray areas here. Of course, we have some real issues in Southeast Asia in particular with sex tourism where men just go on vacation to visit brothels. Um, Thailand's actually tourism economy has been greatly injured by COVID because of the lack of brothels that are open and safe to exist in. Um, Many Latin American countries tolerate prostitution, but they restrict the associated activities. And this would be largely because of the, the influence of the Catholic Church. In Brazil, for example, brothels, pimping, and child exploitation or it are illegal, but like the actual act of exchanging sex for money isn't technically. So in the 1980s is where you really get a lot of people here in the United States waking up and being like, hey, maybe keeping it completely illegal isn't the best idea. And those are for two major reasons. One is the widespread of AIDS, which increased concern about a public health problems caused by prostitution. This is in Africa as well. And so it's like, okay, well, if, if we make this legal, it's never going away. It's been around forever. If we make it legal, then we can make it safe and we can track it. The other influential development was a renewal of feminist interest and a perspective that prostitution is both a consequence and symptom of gender-based exploitation. So the 1980s is when we actually get the neutral term sex worker instead of prostitution. And sex worker is to describe those involved in commercial sex activities. Once we hit the 1980s is when you, the conversations get both more stereotypical and a lot more nuanced. You have the pretty woman stereotype, which a lot of um, you know, middle-class Americans kind of believe that that's what sex work looks like. You're leaning into a car, you're dressing all these things, the hooker with a heart of gold trope. Um, all of that is happening. There are, even with legal decriminalization and legalization, there are some excessive power disparities within sex work. There are madams and johns and pimps and whatever word, a procurer, a facilitator of the sex work. Um, this is happening more and more through websites instead of humans. And that makes it a little bit safer, but not really. 
I personally love fix that play with that element of danger that is always lurking. For instance, there is also the element that really for a long time, even though there has always been same sex sex work there, especially same sex male sex work. It wasn't really until the 1980s that we started saying it out loud. And some of that is because of AIDS and how AIDS spread and gay men talking more openly about their sexual preferences and practices. Because once again, anything that seems new probably isn't. It's probably just the first time that we're saying things out loud. So all in all, here's the summary of sex work. It is often a choice that people make. Statistically, we are told that it is also often a choice that people make out of desperation. They do not feel that they have any other choice, that they are, while they are potentially consenting in the moment of some way, or they've consented to this life, i.e. they haven't chosen to kill themselves, to die by suicide, they haven't chosen another profession, they haven't, they haven't chosen that desperation, they are perhaps they're under duress of some fashion in which potentially the consent is a little bit cloudier. There are statistically, and research tells us, just as many sex workers that really like what they do. Of course, these tend to be the upper echelons. They tend to not be the people trading sex for drugs, for instance. Um, just as many stories as there are about desperation, there are stories of enjoyment and pleasure. And that's an important tension to keep in mind that I think we play with in fic a little bit, but we probably don't really consciously play with in, in life. And earlier in the episode, you hear Robin kind of say, well, maybe we don't write a lot of, a lot of fics because we always want to be on the side of the sex worker. And I hope we are. I hope we are always on the side of the sex worker, realizing that they've made choices or they've had choices made for them, or both of those things are true. And no matter where they fall on the consent or pleasure scale, they are humans with dignity that deserve to be protected. Um, I am personally, I'll say this, very in favor of the legalization of sex work within the United States for the simple fact that I really feel like they should be able to get health insurance. Um, my answer to just about everything in the United States is, does this allow somebody to get health insurance? Cool, then I'd like it to be legal. <laughs> so uh, I'm a big fan of that. I have several contacts and a couple close friends actually who, in, who have in the past or are currently engaging in sex work. And um they are all there entirely by consent. Uh, even the ones that you would might look at as a little down and out, I'm using air quotes, very much enjoy their jobs. Um, not all the time, but on the whole, they're pretty happy with it. I've also talked to contacts for research purposes where it's a circle of hell and they want out as soon as possible. My personal relationships are with people that quite enjoy it. Um, and I'll tell you the stories I get from them are the best, but no matter what, no matter how they got there, I want to say it again, they are human beings who deserve dignity, respect, and the protections that the rest of us are afforded as well. And so I would very much like a, like a legalization movement to gain even more steam here in the United States. This is complicated though. There's lots of very well-intentioned and lovely people that want to argue for it against it and all that kind of stuff. I wanted to just unpack this a little bit and spend a little bit of time talking about sex work and or prostitution because the, the, those words are used interchangeably, even though yes, more and more sex workers are asking us to use that neutrality. I do have several contexts that prefer the word prostitute, by the way. Um, they, they, they like it. I think they like that it's gritty. I think they like that it's a little dirtier, to be honest, just knowing those particular people. 
but I wanted us to sit with this a little bit longer. And like, yeah, I love writing. Like I love reading Tony as a sex worker. I loved writing Steve as a exotic dancer in an Omega verse. I love playing with these tensions of consent and where on the consent scale does it fall? Because consent, even though we talk about it a lot as a binary, like it's a yes, no, it's not. Everything's gray. Everything's a scale. Everything's a, everything's a, a spectrum. And consent is the same way. When you take systems of oppression and privilege into a case, absolutely nothing on this planet is black and white. So that has been your Professor Flame Corner for this episode. Please let me know if you have missed this segment. I haven't done one in a while. And if there's other topics you'd like me to cover, discuss, kind of break down from the, um, I don't know, nerdy perspective. Uh, we've got Ferret covering grammar pretty well. I can't do that. I'm still scared of semicolons, but I can talk a little bit about social systems. So if there's others that you'd like to know more about, I'd love to talk to you. All right, everyone, it's time for your favorite segment and mine to rope off. Ferret, give us the update. Okay, so last time we spoke, we had just kicked off that weekend's uh, poll, and we had huddling for warmth versus friends with benefits, which is like almost too combinable um, and delicious. And I was really curious what people were going to say. I did not have a strong prediction, but there was a strong winner. Did you have a, 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 you know, did you have a strong feeling that one was going to take it? No, I actually thought it was going to be a really, uh, like a really close toss up. Yeah, so did I. Well, Huddling for Warmth stole the show with 64% and Friends with Benefits gets kicked into the loser's bracket with only 36 there must have been some sort of like subtle campaign to whip up support. <laughs> well, you know, I think that it turns out that friends with benefits is one of those things that um, the people who like it, like it a lot, but it's a smaller contingent of people who like it. Interesting. That's my, yeah, opinion. I guess I can see that. I, yeah, I guess I can see that. Although I just feel like, friends to lovers always takes a detour through friends with benefits um i guess i guess it depends if they sleep together before they're lovers if you know what i mean like friends to lovers doesn't have to have sex in the middle phase they could fall in love declare their love and then have sex for the first time whereas friends with benefits you'd have to be having the benefits before the lovers kicked in so you definitely could do both but i'm not sure that they necessarily always overlap no you're right i just i i it must just be the ones that i (laughs) yeah totally valid (laughs) um this was a confirmation bias situation (laughs) and not a reality i was like but they're the same thing oh no wait wait flame they're not your kink is just the same got it no problem i think that friends with benefits almost always follows a friends to lovers arc but i don't think that friends to lovers always follows a friends with benefits arc if that makes sense. Yes. Sorry, I had to do that math. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that's true. And I think... You know, if we're going to have, like, a shippy, happy ending, then Friends with Benefits sort of inevitably does the Friends to Lovers thing. It's just that they're having sex in the, in the middle part, too. <laughs> 
Yeah. And I, it's also just seemingly like what I've been writing a little bit lately. Like, I mean, as I say that today, I literally just posted a, a like adorable, like strangers to idiots, to friends, to lovers thing. But <laughs> everything else I've been writing has been like, oh, oh, we're really good friends and that's fuck. And then we'll, then we'll catch feelings. So I might've just, I might like literally, yeah, just be in my own confirmation bias cycle. Yeah. Leaning into that. You know, I, I haven't written a whole lot of friends with benefits. I really like reading it, but it's not one that I've written a bunch of, but yeah, I really like it. But I was not, ex- yeah. I was not expecting it to get beaten so soundly by Huddling for Warmth, which I also really like, but also seems a little bit more specific, like Huddling for Warmth. It seems more niche. Yeah. It yeah. Seems like it requires like an interest in Hurt Comfort, which like I get, but Hurt Comfort didn't win last year. And it requires. No, I, let me push. I don't think it requires an interest in Hurt Comfort. You because think that I've the Huddling for Warmth can be entirely like a positive? Oh my gosh, the my most popular Huddling for Warmth fic involves absolutely no hurt comfort. Okay, but here's my thing. To me, that's cuddling for warmth and not huddling for warmth. A huddle implies risk or danger from the cold to me. I think you are a small percentage of people who interpret it that way. <laughs> yeah. So, cause I've seen people tag things with cuddling for warmth as well, which I could totally like you're out camping and you're sharing a sleeping bag cause it's cold out and hands wander. Totally get it. I'm not sure I would tag that huddling for warmth, but I am also, I'm the one who put the trope in is huddling for warmth. And that's true. So you are uh, showing your bias towards hurt comfort. Yeah. I could have put cuddling for warmth. I don't know. That's tricky. I'm going to have to do a little tag statistics and see if huddling versus cuddling, which one's canonized and like, how do they intersect and how do they intersect? Yeah. I, when other people talk about them, I think people use that more interchangeably than we are currently having the conversation. No, no, I'm sure. Um, But so that's interesting that, that for you, it has to take a detour. I think it's more niche because there's fewer ways to write it. Like, yeah, yeah. Like I can it, think you of, have to put them in the situation where they're cold. <laughs> like, yeah, there's only so many wires, you, you know? Like, yeah. It's like weather, yeah, like water. Friends with benefits. <laughs> I'm sitting here and I'm like, okay, there are at least 400 ways into this thing. Yeah. Yeah. But huddling for warmth, I can think of like five. Like, even if I, if I take out the hurt comfort question, like even if I treat huddling and cuddling as interchangeable, which I personally do, but I see why you don't. And I, you know, bless it and approve it. Um, I still can only think of like five or six ways into that story. Mm. Fascinating. Fascinating. Yeah, I definitely thought it was going to be a lot closer because I also just thought of them as one trope. Like, (laughs) I love to use huddling for warmth as how we get friends with benefits. So like, (laughs) that's, that's one that that connects really well for me. Yeah. And the, the only comment I got was basically... Why not both? <laughs> um, yeah. So, but a- as usual, this makes me want to ask follow-up questions. Like, is is for the sixty-four percent who voted for Huddling for Warmth? I want to know: Did you see it in an angsty way, or like a hurt, comforty way, or like is the cold truly threatening, um, yeah. or is it more just just the comfort part? Like, does it encompass both for you? Does it encompass only one of the two of that dynamic for you? Uh, like, what are you picturing when you vote for Huddling for Warmth? But, you know, that's not how drop-off works. So I sit here not knowing. But if you want to tell me, listeners, please do. I would love to know. So that was 
you know, two weeks ago when you heard from us last. As always, we had an in-between poll in the weekends between posts. And that one was another runaway winner, even more extreme, but you may be less surprised. We had slow burn versus body swap. This two of flame's least favorite tropes up against each other. <laughs> so you abstained. <laughs> I abstained. Yeah. Sorry guys. Not those are not for me. I'm not surprised that slow burn won 76% of the vote. Body swap took 24%. Not too shabby, actually. That's a fair interest in body swap. A quarter of y'all like body swap. Um, or you at least like it more than you like slow burn. I think that fundamentally, I mean, while I do believe that it is sort of possible, uh, in I know uh, it's possible to have a short slow burn fic. Traditionally, slow burns are longer. So like you could have a short fic that shows a lot of time passing and therefore we can call that a slow burn. Um, but I also feel like it's just kind of one of those, if you like, I mean, last year, mutual pining one, if you like mutual pining, slow burn is often one of the sort of like foundational elements of that. Like we got to make them pine for a while before we get that satisfaction. So See, I think this is just where, like, this is a personal interpretation because I love mutual pining and, like, I love mutual pining. I hate slow burn because, like, the cliff, the knife, the knife edge between those two things flips really quickly for me. Like, because part of mutual pining that makes it good for me is justifiable reasons as to why they cannot be together and why they are just pining for a long fic. For a short fic, they can just be idiots and not use their word. But for a long fic, for me, I need like a deep, I need like personal baggage or a profession or something that is keeping them apart. Okay, so how is that not slow burn for you? Because slow burn for me takes too long to get there. So like if a 300K fic and they don't get together until 250, that's too slow of a burn and I'm done. So like right, but it's a so pacing issue for me. But you so can when have I say a fifty slow burn. fic that's a slow burn. Possibly, yeah. But I would just tag that as mutual pining, and this is my own thing. I will when I say it's a slow burn, I'm usually being derisive. Like I'm usually judging it and saying I didn't like it; it was too slow. Oh, I, I see. if it's okay. a slow, so like for me, if it's a slow burn, there's no, I can't feel forward momentum within the relationship. They're just spinning their wheels. Okay, for me, slow burn means that it's not an instant. Uh, it's not necessarily like an instant attraction and an instant acknowledgement from them that they want a relationship. Their relationship develops slowly, but the word slow is relative here. Like I say, you could do a 1K fic that was a slow burn if you talked about how they were friends in school first and then, you know, they they realized over two decades of being friends that, that they were right for each other and they fell in love and got married. You could do that in 1K and I would still call it a yeah. slow burn. That's fair. And so like, this is again, like your mileage may vary on the terms. Yeah, like, that's interesting. I'm curious how people interpret slow burn then. I mean, clearly. A yeah, lot of and I'm sure more people it interpret it. A fave because it got 76% of the vote. We'll see how it does Obviously, up against more specific ones in the future. But I know people that, I mean, people who love long fix, one of the reasons they say they love it is they love a slow burn. And there's a really famous contemporary romance author named uh, Mariana Zapata, who I cannot stand because her slow burns are the slowest of burns. Like it is a <laughs> simmer the entire time. And she writes like five, 600 page books. 
but people who love her are like rabid and devoted and like I made it through one and was like fuck this never doing this again (laughs) (laughs) this is like you didn't so it's I guess so much of it for me in in enjoyment of a fic is plotting and pacing yeah and that's just sometimes that's just deeply personal and so something that you may call a slow burn I may call just mutual pining and I'm happy with the progression of the plotting and the pacing but noping like I am I think one of the things that I am like low-key like secretly most obsessed with in any fiction I consume is the pacing yeah interesting um yeah I'm curious what other people's feelings are on that as always so (laughs) that one too I want to know how you guys see slow burn we need like some kind of like trope off follow-up that's like and now write an essay about what each one means to you (laughs) what's so funny is so far every time we've done this everybody has come down on your side so you are the normative (laughs) interpretation and I'm the weirdo outlier so we'll see if this continues as we go through this Uh, uh, I spent a lot of time on family um it's true what are you doing this week what's going on this week, as always, it was posted yesterday. You've got two days to vote, so it'll finish Monday morning sometime, um, depending on where you are, Monday morning EST. Uh, and what I posted is going to be an interesting one, but I don't think we're going to be super surprised by the outcome. <laughs> um, we've got humor slash crack versus found family. Oh, wow. That's, that's a hard one to be up against. <laughs> But uh, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Um, and even if the one I think might lose does lose, um, it'll be their first loss. So they'll pop down into the loser's bracket and they'll have a chance to come back from that and still end up scooping it in the end. But um, yeah, that's uh, I know how you feel already. So that'll be a short conversation on our next episode. <laughs> Potentially, yeah, but we also know that I can take anything that's supposed to be a short conversation and turn it into a thesis, so we'll see. Um, but yeah, this is one where I'm curious what people have to say, how they interpret those things, and uh, definitely combinable, because one's kind of a genre and one's a trope, so you could absolutely combine those things very easily, but if you have a specific prompt, I would I would love to laugh myself silly hearing them, so <laughs> hook me up. Uh, but yeah, that is our trope off update and next time we talk we'll talk about who wins from humor crack versus found family what our in-between challenge was and what we'll be running next time we're talking this segment is the first in a series of grammar muscle minis that i'm calling mastering verb forms We're gonna talk about how verb conjugations form, different tenses in English, and subject-verb agreement, but I'm gonna spread it out over a few segments so it's not too overwhelming. This segment is gonna end up being a bit foundational, introducing some of the terms and the concepts and explaining why this is pretty hard to get a hold of. As always, if you end up with questions, please let me know and I can either answer them right there wherever we're talking or make them part of a future segment or probably both. So let's break down a bit what tenses and conjugations are. First up, tenses. Verb tenses alter a verb to indicate when an action is taking place. There are three main verb tenses, past, present, and future, and within them, four further breakdowns, simple, perfect, continuous, and perfect continuous. 
There are more verb forms on the tenses I just listed, and we'll break those down in another segment and get into the details of how we form them and what they mean. So let's get into conjugation. Conjugation is the process of altering the verb form to fit both the subject and the tense. Even when there's no apparent change in the form of a verb, it still carries that information with it, but it can make it harder to spot and harder to understand why things are formed the way that they are. Each verb form has the infinitive form. This is the base unconjugated form that carries no tense or agreement information. In English, the infinitives have the word to as part of them. To run, to walk, to dance, to kiss. When we form tenses, we drop the to and we change either the end or the middle, or honestly, sometimes the whole thing <laughs> of the verb to make it fit both the tense and the subject. So for to kiss, in simple present, we would have I kiss, you kiss, he kisses, she kisses, they kiss, we kiss. It can be somewhat deceiving because I kiss and you kiss appear to be the same verb form, but in a silent meta way, they are not. And it's best to think of them as homophonic versions of different words because those similarities are not universal across all verbs, sadly. <laughs> so what about verbs that do look different? Well, unfortunately, English has around 200 irregular verbs. That means all 200 have to be memorized because their conjugation patterns don't match other verbs. Drive, for example. I drive, you drive, he drives, she drives, they drive, we drive. That all looks the same as kiss, but in simple past we get, I drove, you drove, he drove, she drove, they drove, we drove. Whereas for kiss, we get kissed, I kissed, you kissed, etc., which is the regular pattern. While you may have talked about regular and irregular verbs when studying a second language, it rarely comes up when studying your first. If English is your first and only language, you may never have talked about regular and irregular verbs. Just learn the exceptions naturally through exposure and correction. I think English is both hard and easy when it comes to verb conjugations. As you can see with drove and kissed, often agreement with the subject is the same across the board, whereas with a language like French, those are often different. But when you balance that with a huge list of irregulars, and some of those irregulars are very, very irregular, it can make it really hard to understand the basis behind the patterns that your brain automatically knows how to do because of the way humans learn language. And that in turn makes it hard to learn English as a second language and also hard for native speakers to know what to do when they're faced with a word they've never encountered before. The most challenging part of tenses, in my opinion, is how naturally we learn to conjugate in our first language. When something is that innate and we're learning it so effectively well before we learn it in school, where if we're lucky, we might learn how it works, it makes it very difficult both to understand why we do it and also to learn it by rote for second and third languages. So that's kind of a broad overview of tenses and conjugation, what they're used for and how they're formed, but also sort of an acknowledgement that this is hard and it might be new for you. And you might know how naturally how to do all of the things we're gonna talk about, but you've never really fully processed the structure behind it. So hopefully this gives you a little bit of that structure to start out. In the next segment, we're gonna talk about the verb tenses I mentioned earlier. Then in another, we'll talk about the non-tense forming verb constructions like the gerund and what participles and auxiliaries are. And in the last of this series, we'll talk about some other tense forms like imperative, conditional, subject, subjunctive, and more, which again, you may have only heard of if you studied a second language. If you have any questions, let me know, and I hope this helped.
there, fandom. This is Only More Love, and I'm back with your Pod on the Suit events forecast. This is where I'll tell you all about what's going on, challenge-wise, in a Marvel fandom near you. So put on your seatbelt and let's go. The usual note before I start with the current events. You'll be able to find everything I mention in this forecast linked and explained in the show notes for each episode over on podonthesuit.com. Now on to the fun stuff. The mods for the What to Finish auction have announced a mini auction round to support Asian communities in light of recent events. Signups will open on June 15th, and the rest of the schedule, as well as guidelines and other info, can be found on their blog. A reminder that the Marvel Reverse Bang is back, but different. With its new six-phase formula, the mods aim to find you a partner, no matter how rare your ship, by dividing the many parts of our fandom into their own phase, and therefore their own bang within the bang. For more information and detailed rules and dates on each phase, please visit the blog. Signups are currently open for the Earth's Mightiest Phase. Signups for The Star-Spangled Big Bang are open to artists until June 4th, with claims happening on June 11th. Centering around Team Cap characters, this bang welcomes any fic, shippy or gen, that focuses on at least one of the characters that make up the Team Cap handle. The minimum word count is 10k, and posting is set for September. The Super Family Exchange signups remain open until April 15th, with a deadline for creators to have finished their work set for June 22nd. You can find more info on their blog, as well as on their Discord server. The Shrunky Clunks Big Bang is also still open for artist signups until April 17th. A Stucky Week has been announced well in advance, as it will run from July 5th to July 11th but prompts are already available on their blog, so please go check them out as well as their rules so you can prep beforehand. The Iron Strange Big Bang is back with a minimum of 12,000 words for writers and two illustrations for artists. Today, April 11th, is the last day for authors to sign up, while artists have until May 17th. Claims will be happening from June 28th through July 12th, and posting is set to begin on November 12th. The Iron Husband's Bingo is back, and you can sign up for a personalized card until May 1st. Also open until May 1st is the Iron Husband's Big Bang. The bang allows for both a mini and big bang options, one for 5k and one for 15k and upwards, of course. Claims will take place on June 19th with posting spanning the entire month of September. Claims for the Sam Wilson Fest are open and will remain that way until April 23rd. Posting will happen between April 24th and May 2nd. There are no minimums and all mediums are allowed. Please don't miss out. Signups and fills for the following are also still ongoing. Cap IM Bingo, Marvel Fluff Bingo, Marvel Holiday Fest, Cap IM Com Remix Events and Bingo, STB, Steve, Tony, Bucky Bingo, as well as the Lights on Park Avenue monthly prompts. And that's it for this episode, folks. This has been your events forecast. We hope to see you next episode. Until then, please be safe and happy shipping. 
And that is a wrap on episode four. Thanks again to Wolfie for our cover art and to Marie only and the Potscast staff for all their help. As always, please hit us up anywhere we are available to chat about this episode. And if you're listening to us on a podcatcher service like iTunes or Spotify, your reviews and ratings really help other listeners find the pod. So thank you for that. As always, this is your fandom podcast, and we want to make it the best experience it can be for you. If you've got comments or suggestions, we want to hear them. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. You've been listening to Pod on the Suit. Thanks for joining us. <laughs>